another week in the epistle of 1 John. And I want to begin um, with a story or sort of a statement that maybe some of you can relate to with me. And that is this. I have never liked the dentist. I've never liked going to the dentist. Uh, Still to this day, I dread going to the dentist. Is anyone with me on this? Okay. You haven't been in five years? <laughs> Ross definitely does not like the t- Okay, okay. So the suggestion to go every six months to get a cleaning is just a suggestion. Okay, yeah. Um, but I've dreaded it. I've never liked it. Now, here's the thing. It's not that I'm scared of what's going to happen. I just cannot stand those x-rays that they try to get of my teeth. I, I can't stand those x-rays, um, you know, where they, where they put the stuff in your mouth and you have to hold it for a certain amount of time. They leave the room, they press the button, and they're like, all right, we got it. Almost seconds after they put it in, I'm coughing to death, and then they have to come back and do it again. Is anyone with me on that? Okay. The x-rays are terrible. Okay. Listen, it's hard for me, okay? All right? But, but I feel bad because they have to keep coming back, put it back in my mouth, resituate it, then leave the room, right? I feel bad. But I think what I don't like the most is, is the slight pain from the cleaning, right, with their tools and stuff. And them telling me, shh, and them telling me that... I need to do these things to be better off with my teeth. I think that's maybe, too, some of what I don't like, is them telling me I need to do, to do these things to better my teeth. And really, it's the same thing every time. You have healthy teeth, Tony, but your gums, which mine bleed easily, um, you need to help make your gums healthier, and you need to prevent gingivitis, And so it's important that you floss every day and use mouthwash. This is the same message I get every time I go. Okay? And if you're like me, I leave saying, all right, I got this. I'm going to floss, mouthwash. I got this. She told me to. I got this. I'm going to do it. And I floss maybe for a couple days, and then, well, you know what happens next. Can anyone tell me what happens next? I don't anymore, right? You do it for a couple days or a week or whatever, and then you're just kind of done. You stop. But here's the point. I hear the same message every time I go to the dentist. Here is the problem, okay? And here is what you should do to help this problem or to prevent it from happening again. Here is the solution to your problem, right? They're telling me the solution to the problem. Do this. Your teeth will be healthy. They'll be strong. You'll be good. There's a problem. Here's the solution. It's the same thing every time. This can be prevented. Just choose to do this, right? Now, how does this fit into what we're going to talk about tonight? And really, it's simple. We have a sin problem. Like last week, 
we said that it's a disease that needs a cure. And just like I was told that I needed to, to floss and do mouthwash, mouthwash and choose to follow through on their solution for me to my problem, well, we have an answer to sin. We have a solution to our sin, and it is on us to choose to receive it. We have a problem. We have a solution. Are you choosing to receive the solution? Hey, Tony, mouthwash. Floss your teeth every day. It'll solve lots of things for you. I'm telling you, I'm giving you the, pro- the solution to your problem. I do it for a little, then I'm done. We have a sin problem, every one of us, and the solution has been given. Are you choosing to receive it? That's what we're going to find out tonight and look at tonight. And because this really leads us into our big idea, and it's this. The answer to our sin problem is Jesus Christ. The answer to our sin problem is Jesus Christ. He is the solution. So what pa- the passage we're going to look at tonight is 1 John chapter 2. We're in chapter 2. Okay, and we're going to look at verses um, 1 through 6. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6 are what we're going to look at tonight. But the answer to our sin problem is Jesus Christ. So just by way of review, last week we looked at what it means that God is light and that in Christ, in the light, dead things come to life. And in the light of God, there is no darkness at all whatsoever in Him. We also talked about the darkness and choosing to live a life walking in it has nothing good worth noting at the end. You guys remember that from last week, right? If you choose to live a life that is walking in darkness, there's nothing good waiting at the end for you. I'm letting you know that ahead of time. In fact, John is even letting us know that. And then finally, we saw how John gives us those negative if clauses of the darkness and how we lie to others, we lie to ourselves, and then eventually call God the liar. But we also saw that the good news is, is if you are in fellowship with God, the darkness will not reign. He will conform you, shape you, and mold you into the image of His Son. That was just some review for us last week. And so let's begin 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Who would like to read this nice and loud for me, please? Who would like to read it nice and loud? Verses 1 and 2. Dylan, thank you. Good, thank you. So, John begins here with this phrase, my little children. Now, this is a small phrase, and one that we might not seem, might not seem significant, but there's actually something special to why he's calling us my little children. And so this is John showing his tender love and affection for us. 
it really has this fatherly tone to it. Or the tone of someone who really cares for us. Hey, kids, listen to me, please. Son or daughter, listen to what I'm about to tell you because I care for you so much. It has that tone to it. My little children, it's not like trying to diminish us in any way. John is really saying, please, people who I care and love about so much like my own child, listen to what I'm about to tell you because I care about you. It has this fatherly tone to it. A tone for someone who spiritually cares for us. It's as if we are his own children. See, those who know Christ are near and dear to John. And so he comes with this tender, loving tone with what he's about to address us with. Please listen to what I'm about to tell you. It has this loving, fatherly tone. Something small. But I actually think really is powerful for us to hear about what John's about to say. So what does he go on to say? He says, I am writing these things. Now again, here we go with another purpose as to why John is writing the epistle of 1 John. Remember we looked at this in week 1. There were many places throughout the book of 1 John where he says, I am writing these things to you. He is giving you a purpose as to why he is writing this epistle. And so here we go with another one. I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. John simply wants us to understand that we are to not sin. Pretty simple statement by John. He's not trying to beat around the bush. We are not to sin. Think about what we just heard from John the last five verses previously about walking in the light and walking in the darkness. See, we are called out of the darkness into which we walked, but now we're called into the marvelous light of Christ. And if you remember Warren Warsby, he talked about how there's no middle ground. Right? You remember that quote from him? If there is darkness, there's no room for the light. And if there is light, there's no room for the darkness. There's no middle ground. You're either walking in the light or you're walking in the darkness. And so you see this. This is what you see. A life in the light is why Jesus Christ came. A light in the life is why Jesus Christ came. If you remember John 8, 12, says again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So John again, in light of what we just went through last week, in, in referencing, hey, don't live in, this, don't live in darkness walking in darkness. Walk in the light. In, in light of that, John again is really just saying it straight up. Again, he's not trying to make it sound fancy or beat around the bush. John is simply saying this. Live a life without sin. Live a life without sin. He's not beating around the bush. 
But also remember, this isn't John trying to be mean. This isn't John coming, saying this with anger or yelling at us, shaking his fist at us, you people walking in the darkness. He's not coming to us with that tone. But this is saying, John is just, remember, my little children, he's caring for us by saying, don't live in sin. Do not sin. He's telling us this because he wants what's best for us. And so this message, to live without sin, did not originate from John. It in fact comes from God. See, this isn't John saying, don't live in sin. It is. But you know what I mean. This message about not living in sin, in fact, comes from God, not John. Now, how many of us are thinking, well, John and Pastor Tony, it's one way, it's one thing to say, but it's another thing to do. How many of you maybe are thinking that? It's easier said than done. Right? Or some of us may be sitting in our seats and we're thinking, hey, John and Pastor Tony, it's actually impossible to do. (laughs) It's actually impossible. Well, then I'll ask the question, why is it impossible? Why is it impossible? Because the truth is this. We are not perfect human beings. Our hearts are sinful. Our hearts are sinful. Even as a Christ follower, having a heart that is redeemed by the blood of Jesus, even those people, Christians, Christ followers, still fight the battle of choosing sin and choosing godliness. Have we not all felt that in this room before? Why, though? Why can't it just be once and done? Once I put my faith in Christ, I never have to sin again. Why can't it just be that simple? Why can't we just live without sin forever? Well, I want some passages to tell us about that. Here's the first one. Romans 7.18 For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. You may want to make the right choice. You may think, want to think the right thing, but we actually can't live it out. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. And then Matthew 26.41 Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. And then the third one. Galatians 5.17 For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. There is a battle between flesh and Spirit. You see, we still sin upon coming to know Christ 
Because we are in these fleshly bodies that doesn't know anything but sin. Our fleshly bodies don't know anything else but sin. That's what we're, that's what we're living in. In fact, Jeremiah gets it by saying this. In seven, Jeremiah 17.9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? If you are sitting here today, and I don't mean to say this in, in a mean way at all, and I'm not against any of you guys here, this is speaking to myself as well. But if you and me think our hearts are good, we've got it all wrong. The heart is deceitful, it's sick. Who can understand it? Not even myself. I can't even understand it. Guys, my heart is bad. Like, really bad. Sick, ugly, nasty, dirty, wicked, prideful. It's all sorts of messed up. So, therefore... We will never be perfect this side of glory. We will never be perfect this side of glory. It's a battle that we fight every day to choose to follow the Spirit and walk in the light every day of every moment of our lives until we are with God in heaven. It's a battle and fight every day, every moment to choose Christ and not sin. It's a battle. So, here's, here's really what it comes down to then. We need help, don't we? We can't do it. I can't do it. Do you think I can actually choose to not pick sin every day of my life, every moment of my life? Like, no, I can't. I need help. We need saving. We need something to change about us if anything good is even possible in and through us. And we need this help and saving every day of every moment of our lives. And here's the thing. John knows our pain with this. He understands it's a battle every day to choose Christ. And how do we know that John gets that with us? Well, look what he says in continuing on in verse 1. He says this, after he says so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. But if anyone does, really he's saying, it's going to happen. It's it's coming. We're going to do it. It's going to happen. John gets the sin struggle because he knows it's going to happen. He knows he's a sinner and we're sinners. Imagine, can you imagine with me, if John just stopped and didn't finish the rest of that verse in verse 1, imagine if he says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Done. I mean, we would, we would get it, right? He's saying don't sin. Like, we would get it. It wouldn't be hard to understand that. But it would feel John saying, like, we can actually live a sinless life. 
John said don't sin, so now go and don't sin. Like, I feel like it would have that sort of tone. Maybe that's just me. That if he just stopped, it'd be like, well, I guess John said don't live in sin. I guess I can go do this thing. If he stopped. But the truth is, that's not the case. We cannot sin anymore because we are not perfect. We're not God. So even if John stopped right there, sin would still take place in us. Because we are not perfect. In fact, the but here in, that, in the latter part of verse 1 is actually what we need to hear and we are so thankful John continues on to say. Because there's something good awaiting us even though we are not perfect. And it's this message. I'm so thankful. We should be thankful John continues this verse. Because this is why. This is the good news for those who are sinners who cannot live a life without ever sinning. Here's the news. The antidote for our sin problem is Jesus Christ. We have the help that we desperately needed. The one that saves us has come. The antidote for our sin problem is Jesus. We have an advocate, and it is Jesus Christ. I saw some of you still writing. I'll go back if you need to. We have an advocate, and it is Jesus. Now, I want to stop and unpack this word advocate. What is an advocate? I'm going to keep going on the slides. If you need these later, come talk to me. I'll put them back up, and you can get them. But what is advocate? What is advocate? Or another word would be parcelet. Okay, what, what does it mean? An advocate. Well, this comes from Walter A. Elwell and Barry J. Beitzel. Okay, this comes from the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. This is their definition. But it is one who is called to someone's aid. Or one who advocates another. Another definition. One who acts in another's behalf as a mediator, an intercessor, or a comforter. And then another definition, one called in for support. Advocate. So you see, we have this sin problem that we simply cannot face, cannot address, cannot beat, overtake on our own and in our flesh. We need help. We need support. A-S-A-P. We need aid. And that help has come. He is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Our Advocate has come. He made a way for us to be free from the sin that brings death. Jesus was called in, sent by God to aid in on the sin problem of the world that, by the way, we did, they did not do. We did it. It is Christ 
that made a way for us to approach the throne of grace with confidence, and in seeking God, we find and receive mercy, grace, and help in our time of need. And this really comes from Hebrews 4.16 that says, Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That help has come through Jesus Christ. The Advocate is here. Remember, the solution to our sin problem has come. Have you received it? Have you received Him? Can you with confidence draw near to the throne of grace because of your faith in Jesus Christ? The person you need in desperate times where you need help has come. And He's here for you. It is in, through, in and through Jesus Christ that you can now have victory over your sin. Whereas before, there was no way you could have. No matter how hard you try. And as a result, by faith in Jesus Christ, receiving and believing the solution to our sin problem, you can now actually choose to resist temptation. And you can now choose to not sin because the Holy Spirit is now within you. I'm I'm not saying you will be perfect now. Because we won't be. We've addressed that. But you now actually have the power to say no to sin. I'm not doing that anymore. Will it still be a struggle and a fight? Yeah. But you have the Holy Spirit now that will give you the power to say, I'm not going to look at that tonight. It's past the time I know I shouldn't be looking at things at this hour. I'm not going to anymore. You now have the power to say no to that through the Holy Spirit. You now have the power to say in a relationship that you know you shouldn't be in, I'm not going to do those things with you anymore because I want to follow Christ. You have the power to say that now. And so many other examples that we can go on. You see, we now belong. Even in spite of us not being perfect, and we never will be, we now belong. Think about it with me. When you have someone of importance speak on your behalf, when you have someone of importance speak on your behalf, you receive special privileges. Or blessings. It makes me think about how this summer I took the junior hires to the Rockford Rivets game, and with Lance being the team chiropractor, shout out to Lance in the back there. With Lance being the team chiropractor, okay, for the team, in helping set things up for the night, with Lance talking to the manager of the team. And one of the head guys who was running everything there, Lance got our whole group to be on the field at the Rivets game. Before the game even started, we got to play catch on the field. Like the students were able to play catch on the field. And they got to meet some of the guys on the team 
two of the players came and talked with our team, just, or with our students, just to encourage them and just to say hi and be there with us. Such a cool moment to like meet some of these, these two, the two fellas on the team who really are looking at making it into the MLB, really. And we got to meet some of these guys. I got to meet the head coach of the other team, who, by the way, was also a Christian, and we were talking about how he tries to instill faith stuff into his team. And so I even was on the field during the national anthem, which was not intended, but I just stood on the field during the national anthem, and I'm just, I felt kind of awkward. I was like standing on the diamond by the opposing team's side during the, during the national anthem. I was like, this is kind of cool, but it's a little weird at the same time. And all the students are probably like, traitor. Why is he with the other team's bench? But it was, it was such a special experience, right? Because here, what am I getting at? Knowing Lance and his role on the team with Rockford Rivets and being a chiropractor, he got us the hookup. Lance got us the hookup. Have you ever been in a similar situation where you benefited from someone speaking on your behalf? Or by simply saying you know this person of importance, you maybe received special privileges or benefits? Just by saying that you know that person? You ever been in situations like that? See, that's Christ for us. Christ lives, dies, and speaks on our behalf. And in doing so, we now receive eternal life and forgiveness from sins, past, present, and future. Christ got us the hookup. In fact, he got us the ultimate hookup. Talk about saying his name and receiving blessings and privileges. We got such a hookup and received something far greater than playing catch on the field at the Rockford Rivets game. We receive eternal life and forgiveness from sins now. This was impossible and never obtainable without Christ. And can I tell you guys something? To this day, Christ speaks on our behalf and forevermore. It's an eternal thing. So, but John continues on with this whole idea by saying, Christ, if we look at verse 2, He is the propitiation of our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. It is because of Christ that there is removal of guilt and punishment. That's what it means, propitiation. We have this removal of guilt and punishment on us. It's because of Christ. This means as sinners, we deserve the wrath of God and the consequence for our sins the punishment we deserve is death. See, we are the ones that should have been crucified. I told the junior hires at the lock-in, if you look at the cross, that should be us on the cross. And, and I've shared with, with this to you guys before, but the crucifixion, a death 
such as crucifixion, is reserved for like the worst of the worst criminals. If you're crucified, you are a terrible person. It's not reserved for just someone who stole a piece of candy at the candy store. Like, it's reserved for the worst of the worst people. And can I tell you, that should have been us. That's our place. But in Christ being the propitiation for our sins, He took it for us. He took it for us out of His love for us. And in doing so, the guilt is removed. The punishment is removed. Our consequences are not death anymore, but now life. And who did Jesus do this for? He did it for the sins of the whole world. Now, I want us to even look at this and think about this. Take it a step farther. So not only do we have a helper in the Holy Spirit to resist temptation and helps us to have victory over sin, but Christ paid the ultimate sacrifice that set us free so that we can now experience new life. We can now actually walk in the light. So let's go now to verse 3 and 4. Who would like to read 3 and 4? Someone nice and loud, read 3 and 4. Yeah, Gwen, thank you. Good, thank you. So, now we shift gears, and we get to this challenge from John, and really it's a reality check for us. And the reality check is this. To say that we are right with God and truly know Him, this is how someone can tell. By obeying His commandments. By following His Word. If you say you know God, and not just know about Him, but actually, and, or know Him intellectually, but you say that you know Him in your heart, the result or fruit of that is a life of obedience. Life of obedience. But if you are someone who says you know God, but you don't live in obedience to His Word, as we saw last week, you're living a lie. You're living a lie. See, the truth is if you know Him, like if you actually know Him, not just know about Him or know Him intellectually, but know Him in your heart, then you know a life following Jesus is a life of obedience to Him in His Word. It's a life that says, I want to follow His Word in all things. I want to obey Him in my marriage. I want to obey Him in what words come out of my mouth. I want to obey Him in not being a hypocrite. I want to obey Him in fleeing from my fleshly desires. I want to obey Him in the person I date. I want to obey Him in what I do when no one is looking. See, this is a test tonight and a reality check as John puts it. And here's the question. Would your life reflect a life that says you know God? And the answer to how you find that 
is this. Are you obeying his word? So, I want to ask you guys to take the test. Take the test right now in your heart. If you say you know God, does your life reflect that you know him? And the answer to it is, have you been obeying his word? So take the test. It's a pass or fail exam. So which is it? Did you, would you guys pass or fail this test? Have you been obeying his word? What would be the grade? If I were to give you a grade tonight on your test, which you don't want me to grade it, really, because I'd probably be an F. <laughs> like, take the test, though. What would your answer be? What would your grade be? Have you been obeying his word? How you speak, how you talk, how you think, the decisions you make, what you do late at night, what you post on social media, how you interact with people on social media. Have you been gossiping? Take the test. But I will say this. Can I say, if you sit here today and you're like, man, I failed the test. I want to tell you that there is a way to redeem yourself. And it all begins with actually seeking to know God. Which takes place by putting your faith in Him and then seeking to know and love and study and follow after His Word in all of your way, in all things, in all ways, forever. You can redeem your failing grade. We can redeem our failing grade. So let's now begin to close in verse 5 and 6. Who would like to read that? Nice and loud. Heath, thank you. Good, thank you. So for those of you here who would say that you passed the test or are seeking and want to pass the test, something marvelous is going to take place within you. And it's God's love being made complete in you. See, those who obey God's Word results in a rich and full experience of the love of God. You will experience to the fullest the love God has for the Son and the Spirit, the love that is in the Trinity, the love that sent His Son to the cross, you will experience to the fullest. Now, let's sit in this for a minute. God's love, unlike any other, and in many ways we cannot and will not comprehend His sacrificial love this side of glory, but it's being made perfect in you. That means it is being made complete in every sense of what it means to love like God loves us. Will it be made complete this side of glory? No. But think about that. It is continuing to be made perfect in you. John F. Wall Vord and Roy B. Zuck say this, commentators say this, 
To know God intimately is to know His love intimately. I love my, my wife so, 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 so very much. I probably didn't say enough so's. Okay? Yep, I didn't say enough so's. I should have added like six more. Sorry, Corey. <laughs> but I love her so much. And I do all that I can to show it to her. Okay? But to think that the more that I love God, and the more that I choose to follow Him, the more that I can love her even more in such a way that God loves her, which of course I cannot ever match this side of eternity, but strive to love her like God loves her, that's awesome. I'll never get it perfect. And I, I try to show Corey my love in all the ways I can, but to think and know that the more I love God, the more I follow His Word, choose to know Him more, and follow Him, the more that I can love her like God loves her, yes, please, sign me up. I want to do that for her. And this goes beyond just the love of my wife, but this is what we can do to all people. We can love like this to everyone. But in coming back to what John is saying here is this. Love is at the heart of why we do what we do as Christians. A follower who knows God, obeys His Word, chooses to follow in His ways, comes from a heart that loves Him. And in doing so, God's love is on display then. And so in beginning to wrap it all up tonight, John, in many ways, gives us a summary statement in verse 6. That says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. See, if we abide, which, by the way, means remain. If you remain in him, abiding means remaining in him. If you remain in him with him, have koinonia with him, fellowship, once again, must choose to follow him then we must model our life after Christ. And how does one do that? How do we model our life after Christ? We abide in Him. We are constantly with Him. Constantly needing Him. Constantly relying on Him. Constantly talking to Him. Constantly hearing from Him. Studying His Word daily. We are always with Him. That's what it means to be abiding, remaining in Him. We're always with Him. Because the truth for us is this. For us to even carry this out, to live in such a way where the light shines, it comes from a heart that is abiding in Him. As John 15.4 says this, Abide in Me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in Me. Guys, girls, we cannot do anything good apart from Christ. To live like Christ, we must know Christ and follow His ways. So in living this out, 
Have you received Christ in your heart? That's where it begins. Second, do you know God or just know about Him? Do you just know facts about Him? Or do you actually know Him in your heart and know that what He calls for is a life of obedience? Third, have you been obeying His commandments? Take the test. And fourth, in what ways do you want the love of Christ to shine brighter in your life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank You so very much, God, for the fact that You have sent the solution to our sin problem. The antidote for the disease, for the, we, we have the cure. It's Jesus Christ. Our sin problem is answered by faith in Christ. And God, just as, just as I, I know that when I go to the dentist and I hear the solution, God, that I, I may follow it for a little bit, but really, at the, really I, I didn't really accept it or receive it. God, the solution is there. It really comes down to, are we receiving it? And you've given us the solution to our sin problem. And it is in, is, it is in through Jesus Christ. God, will we be perfect? No. But through Christ, we can have victory over sin. Through the Holy Spirit, we could say no to the things that we used to, and we can now walk in the light, which we could never have done apart from Christ. God, I pray that we would live lives that obey Your Word, that when we take the test to really see if there is fruit in our life, by obeying your word and your commandments, that we would be able to say we've passed. Because we've been doing all that we can to follow after you. In making the right decisions, in, in thinking the right things, in, in things we say, God, help us. We actually need your help. We can't do it without you to live this life for you. I just thank you for this time. Be in small groups now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.